Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and we're going to have part two today of the kindness of Rahab. You know, Phil Yancey uh, recounts the story of prostitutes who have been brought into the kingdom of God. Uh, so looking at Rahab, right? A prostitute who is today in heaven, and not because she was a prostitute, uh, but because of her faith in Christ. Uh, so Yancey gives us a few uh, examples. Uh, one is Juanita. Juanita was sold into sexual slavery by her very own mother at the age of four. While all the children went to school, Juanita worked in a brothel, earning for her mother the higher rate paid for young girls. Well, eventually she had two children of her own whom her mother took from her with no education, no skills, as she continued working in the brothel in the process of becoming addicted to alcohol and to cocaine. One day, a customer grew enraged when she wouldn't do what he asked, and he hit her on the head with a baseball bat. She lay in a hospital bed, desperate. She says, I got on my knees, and I pleaded with God. I wanted somehow to escape prostitution, to become a real mother to my children. And God gave me a vision. He said, look for Rahab Foundation. I didn't even know the word Rahab, but she found the organization's phone number, and a few days later, Juanita showed up, bruised and bandaged at Rahab's door. She said, I need help, sobbing at the door. I'm dying. I can't take it anymore. A kind woman named Marlena took her and told her about God's love. I couldn't believe the hope on Marlena's face, Juanita recalled. She smiled and she hugged me. She gave me a clean bed, flowers in the room, and a promise that no man would harass me. She taught me how to be a real mother. And now I'm studying a trade and I want to live for the glory of God. Well, there's also the story of Sandra. Sandra from Australia. It's a story of a, of a typical wealthy country. And she says, I knew I was beautiful because when I was in school, all the guys wanted to sleep with me. So she figured, why not charge for it? I signed on with a pimp. And for six months, it was great. He took me to a nice hotel, and I had more money than I could imagine. But then, I got addicted to drugs and alcohol. I cannot tell you how utterly lonely I began to feel. I sat on my bed, and I watched TV all day until the men came home at night. I really had no friends, no family. I lived with a deep sense of shame. For a solid year, I never got out of bed. I was so depressed. Well, Sandra found her way to Linda's House of Hope, a Christian organization run by a former top madam. I'm still struggling, she said, after six months off the streets. I got addicted to the power of money as well as drugs, yet I know what God wants for me. I need to be healed. Well, I want you to know today, God's got some really good news for you. He can bring about healing. God used a woman by the name of Rahab, whose status in the world was a prostitute. Just about every passage in the Bible that mentions her, both Old Testament and New Testament, mention the fact that she was a prostitute. She couldn't undo her past, but she could change her future. And so God used her in a remarkable way, not because she was a prostitute, 
God used her because she had faith. She believed that the Lord could change her life. I want you to know, your past does not have to define you. Uh, Let God change your future by acknowledging him now in the present. Uh, Rahab also provided a great service to the nation of Israel. Uh, We learned that yesterday as we looked at her life. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, it, it says that she took care of the spies, and before the spies lay down for the night, they were hiding up in the, in the roof, in the, in the thatch of her roof. It says that she went up to the roof, and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you and given this land, and that great fear has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country, they are melting in fear, all because of you. Uh, We have heard how the Lord has dried up the water of the Red Sea and for how you came up out of Egypt and what you did to Shihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. You see, Rahab understood that God was not on her side, that God was not on the side of those inhabitants of Jericho. God was on the side of the Israelites. And so she decided that she wanted to be a convert to the faith of Judaism. Uh, She wanted to be a follower of Jehovah God. The Israelites are going to be taking over and defeating Jericho. Rahab is wanting to protect her family. But we see that Rahab has a salvation experience. Sometimes people will ask, well, what's the difference between a person in the Old Testament, how they got saved, and a person in the New Testament, and how they get saved? Well, really, there's no difference at all. The slight difference is this. Old Testament saints look forward to the coming of the Messiah and what Jesus was going to do for them by offering himself up as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, The Old Testament saints understood that they would take a perfect lamb and they would slaughter that lamb and they would take the blood of that lamb and they would sacrifice it. That lamb would, in essence, be atoning for their sins, but really is more symbolic of atoning for their sins because they understood that the Messiah, the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, was going to come. They showed their faith in the coming of the Messiah. We do the same thing as New Testament saints, except we don't look forward to the coming of the Messiah. We look back to his coming 2,000 years ago. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to seek and to save those who are lost. He says, I have come to do the will of my Father, and he died on that cross for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. We put our faith and trust in Christ, and the symbol that we use to identify with Christ is the symbol of baptism. As we are lowered into that water and we come back up, it is a symbol of our faith. It is a testimony of our faith. It is a statement of our faith that we believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. As we are lowered into that water, that is symbolic of the death of Christ. As Jesus was lowered down into that tomb, Ah, but I'm so happy to report that Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. He rose again. And so we bring you back up out of that water. And I often say this when I baptize people. I say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ, raised in the fullness of his resurrection. So we see Rahab's salvation is found in Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. When we heard of it, she's talking about her people. When they heard about all that God had done, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. And then here's where I think she was saved, right? In the next statement right here. 
The Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. Uh, That phrase right there, she is acknowledging Jehovah as God in heaven above and the earth below. You see, when you become a follower of Christ, you acknowledge the fact that God is God and you are not. You are no longer trusting yourself, but you are trusting the God in heaven above and the earth below. The rest of the verse, she says this, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived on was part of the city wall. And she said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. Wow, what a wonderful woman Rahab was. When you think about her conversion experience, uh, she has this faith ignited within her. And not only is it a saving faith, but it is a functional faith, and there's works behind this faith. Now, in my small group, we were talking about salvation, and we were talking about the fact that you are saved by faith alone and Christ alone. It is all by the grace of God. It's all His doing. But I love what Martin Luther said, uh, that great reformer of yesteryear. He says, the faith that saves is alone. That is, you're saved by faith alone, but it's never alone. In other words, there's something that is accompanying that faith. The way that I know that I'm truly born again is that there's a change in my life. I don't do good works to be saved. I do good works because I am saved, which leads me to the fourth point about Rahab's life. We've learned so far in the broadcast today uh, and yesterday, we've learned, first of all, that Rahab, she had quite the reputation, right? Her status in the world was she was a prostitute, but God changes her life. And then because of her kindness, she becomes of great service to the nation of Israel. And then we learn number three, that Rahab's salvation came directly from the Lord. She acknowledged the Lord Your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. Your God is the God above all gods. Number four, Rahab's significance to us. And we're going to finish it up with this last point. What does this mean to us? God saves those with a past. I want you to know that. God redeems us, especially those with a past. And when that happens, we change direction. Uh, James 2.25 says this, In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Now, James here is pointing out the fact that she is saved, and the proof of that salvation is her works. Now, she's an amazing example of a changed life. He says, Rahab the prostitute, wasn't she considered righteous for what she did? She gave lodging. Well, wait a minute. I I thought you said that that we are saved by faith alone and Christ alone. We are. And when that happens, there is something that changes in our lives. 
If you have your Bible, okay, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We know that passage of Scripture, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we earn our salvation not through works. Because if we could earn our salvation through works, we'd be bragging about the fact that we were able to produce this salvation. You know, whenever you work, you have a product for that work. There is something that is created. uh, There is something that is accomplished with work. Work is not just showing up, right? (laughs) You may be putting your time in, but you may not be accomplishing work. Uh, Work is when you actually accomplish something. You put something together, you work on something, uh, something is accomplished. There is a product, there is a fruit of your labor. When we do that, we are producing something. Salvation cannot be produced by our works, by our abilities to do things. It is a gift. God doesn't give us this gift because we work. God gives us this gift because we can't work hard enough to earn it. And if we could, we'd be at the point where we were bragging about what we did. Wouldn't heaven be a terrible place if we got there by works? I mean, we'd be up there talking about, well, how'd you get in heaven? Well, this is what I did. I, I gave $10,000, or I gave, uh, I did this work, or I did that work. And we'd be trying to one-up everybody. And so you got to heaven, you only did that? Well, I did this, right? My mansion ought to be bigger than yours because I worked harder than you. No, God saves those with a past. And then when we're saved, then there's a change in our direction. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 Grace we're saved through faith, not ourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. And verse number 10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So once we've received salvation, we can't help but to do good works. He who began a good work in us, Philippians 1.6, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God initiates his work in us by giving us salvation, and as a result of that salvation, we become like Rahab. We produce good works out of appreciation, gratitude for our salvation. What an amazing example of a changed life. Now, it's not that her past is totally forgotten, but her past was totally forgiven. As she goes from being a woman of ill repute to being a woman of righteousness. Don't you love this? I am so glad that God uses highly flawed people. But somebody says, well, that's all he has to use. All of us are highly flawed. But too many times, I think that we use our shortcomings as an excuse to not be completely sold out to Christ. I put together a list of some of the Bible characters that you'll be very familiar with. I want to point out their weaknesses and point out the fact that God used them in spite of their weaknesses. Let's look at Jacob, for example. You know, when I think about Jacob, I think about somebody who was very insecure. You ever work with insecure people? We say, I don't trust insecure people because they're so insecure, they crave this uh, affirmation, and uh, they'll do anything they can to get that affirmation. Jacob, he stole his brother's birthright. That's how insecure he was. But God used Jacob. God changed his life. When he wrestled with that angel all night, all of a sudden he had a name change. He goes from Jacob the supplanter to the name Israel. And then there's Leah. You remember Leah in the Bible? Leah was, um, shall we say, ugly. Yeah, she was unattractive. 
Yeah, Leah is not the epitome of beauty, right? That gives me a lot of hope, right? That God can use people that are not that attractive. And then there's Joseph. Remember Joseph and his coat of many colors? But Joseph was majorly abused. Maybe you're listening today and say, man, uh, you don't understand how, how much I've been abused. I've been abused by other people. I've been abused by men. I've been uh, abused at work. I've been abused by my family. Oh, Joseph was abused. God used Joseph. And then there's Moses, right? Moses, he had a speech problem. He, he stuttered. Uh, I kid around with one of the guys who's on this very station uh, that I'm recording for right now, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, and he has a, a stuttering problem. I always kid around with him. I says, uh, you take the morning commute and I take the afternoon commute. But when you listen to this individual, you would not recognize that he stutters because when he preaches, God delivers him from that. I've got another pastor friend uh, up in uh, another part of the state here in Virginia who also stutters. And, and every time I have lunch with him, I always want to finish the sentence for him. But when he preaches, he never stuttered. Well, Moses had a speech problem, and God used him. And then there's Gideon. You know, Gideon was poor and insignificant, and Gideon was of the most insignificant tribe, but yet God used Gideon. Maybe you're maybe you're saying, well, I don't come from a good family, and uh, my family pedigree is not that great. Uh, my family tree doesn't include a lot of famous people or, or, or talented people. We're just the average, ordinary Joe Schmoes. Uh, you know, God likes to use ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them. And then is Samson. Uh, when I think about Samson, Samson was a poster child for codependency. I mean, he could, I mean, as you read the story of Samson, you wonder how in the world did he keep revealing to Delilah uh, the different excuses that he came up? How could he not see through all that? right? Well, he was codependent. Codependent people miss an awful lot of things that are common sense and logical to everybody else. But God used Samson. It says in his death, uh, God used Samson to defeat the enemies uh, more in his death than throughout his entire life. Uh, And then there's Rahab, who we're looking at today. Uh, Can we say immoral, adulterer, prostitute? And then there's David, the adulterer, the murderer, had all kinds of affairs and all kind of family problems. You know, if you're feeling really bad about your family, right? You said, man, I got I got a dysfunctional family. Well, why don't you read this story about David? You talk about dysfunction. It is unbelievable that that was the king of Israel. That was a man after God's own heart. How in the world could God use a David? Well, I want you to know if God can use David, I reckon he can use you, and I reckon he can use me too. And then there's Elijah. Elijah was suicidal. Uh, he just asked the Lord just to, just to go ahead and kill me, right? Uh, he was so defeated and so discouraged. God had to give him a little wake-up call. He says, get over yourself, Elijah. It's all right. You're thinking you're the only prophet left, and you're giving into the problems with Jezebel, and, all, and you've lost your will, right? Listen, Elijah. There are 700 prophets who have not bowed a knee to Baal. Don't you think about quitting? Don't you think about giving up? I'm with you, Elijah. Then there's Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, manically depressed. I mean, I can kind of get it, right? 
But he was so depressed, he wrote a book called Lamentations. Uh, He lamented over life. He spent his whole life as a prophet and uh, did some really strange things. God asked him to live out uh, a lot of his sermons, and Jeremiah was depressed. And then there's Jonah. You know, we throw around the word racist an awful lot in our culture today, but Jonah, without a doubt, was a racist. He hated the Ninevites. He despised them. He would rather have them die and go to hell than to see God bring about revival and bring about a message of hope for the Ninevites. As a matter of fact, uh, the book of Jonah ends with God lamenting over Jonah not caring for the Ninevites. Oh, then there's Naomi. Naomi was a widow. She was single. And maybe you're listening to me today and you say, man, I don't know that guy can use me. I'm, I'm single. Did you know that right now about 38% of the population is single? Are you telling me that God's not going to use that large of a segment of our population? Listen, God uses everyone. Naomi, her name was bitter, right? Uh, because she came back as a widow, but God turned her around. God can use you. Then there's John the Baptist. You think about somebody who was eccentric, right? I mean, uh, that might be an understatement for John the Baptist. I mean, he lived out in the wilderness, and uh, his clothes were camel's hair, and his diet was locusts. Can you imagine eating locust grasshoppers and honey? That was his diet. You talk about an eccentric guy. I mean, he has long hair because he was a Nazarite. I mean, he, and, he, and he has these politically incorrect sermons, and he preaches, repent, for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. <laughs> he must have thought he was a nut job, right? Uh, here comes that nut John the Baptist, right? But God used John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ. And then there's Peter. You talk about somebody was impulsive and hot-tempered. That was Peter. Uh, he constantly was losing his cool. But Peter recognized, after losing his cool, that God was a God of grace and forgiveness. And then there's Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Uh, you worry a lot, right? Maybe you're listening to me today, so, well, uh, I battle anxiety. Can, can God use somebody who worries a lot? Uh, yeah, I want you to know, God can use people who battle anxiety, uh, who can learn to trust God in spite of their anxiety. Oh, and then there's the... Um, the Samaritan woman, several failed marriages. Uh, maybe you're listening today and say, well, I've got a bunch of failed marriages in my life. This Samaritan woman was married five times. And the man that she was living with when Jesus confronts her wasn't her husband. And then it was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. And not only that, because, because he was a tax collector. And nobody liked him. Very unpopular. And then Thomas. Well, Thomas, he had some major doubts. As a matter of fact, his name is synonymous, Doubting Thomas. And then there's Paul. Paul had very poor health. I probably didn't eat right. You know, he had a, a problem with lack of exercise, too. As a matter of fact, he said that physical exercise profits little. God used Paul. And then there's Timothy. Yeah, Timothy was timid and 
probably had some stomach issues from worrying about what others thought about him. That's why Paul said to Timothy, uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Maybe that'll calm you down a little bit. You see, this is quite a variety of misfits. But God used each and every one of them in his service. He'll use you too if you stop making excuses. And there's something else that we see with Rahab, that God used her because of her faith. God uses those with the past. By faith, the walls of Jericho, Hebrews 11 says, fell and the army marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then I've got one super important point that we want to close off with. Rahab is found in the genealogy of Christ, Matthew 1, 5. She marries one of those spies, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. All the Old Testament passages referring to to Rahab include the phrase, the prostitute. Most of the New Testament passages do as well. But when we get to Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Christ, the prostitute is not listed, but Rahab is. There is hope. God can use you. I'm praying that God will use you in a mighty way, in a powerful way. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.